0: Se trompe con tu fuerza y tagare Se trompe sin culándero ya more. welcome to the show. This is the Goodwin Podcast and I am Nico Lopalooza. You are you are host. And that was Cedro by Reiner Schumbrand. Now Reiner's very dear to me. And um, this song he released today upon recording. And uh, I just felt very compelled to share. It is, it's about cedar, um, which is a very widely used ceremonial incense, um, powerful at uh, clearing space. It's powerful to pray with. Um, it has a very distinct aroma and it's quite, quite, quite pleasant. And it's been incorporated in the peyote ceremonies That I've been in recently quite a bit. Um, There's actually a cedar, a cedar woman, who at various points of the prayer throughout the night, will cast cedar onto the fire. And um, it'll be anytime someone prays for someone in, uh, in particular. For instance, I, I prayed for my grandmother. My last ceremony was on her 90th birthday and I prayed for her. They asked me what her name was. I shared her name is Elaine and they cast some cedar on the fire, uh, for her. Uh, it's kind of like a, alupe to the, uh, for the prayer. It also is used to kind of clear space and clear energy, um, And this is all based on my own observations, you know, sitting in these circles. I haven't been formally trained yet um, to work with any of these, like, ritualistic things. It's kind of based on intuition. Um, But if someone gets well, we call it getting well, but it's throwing up, purging. Um, In these particular ceremonies, since we're outside, um, you're encouraged to purge into the ground. You kind of throw up, get well into the ground and for those who don't experience ceremony getting well sounds a little bit culty it does you know it's like how can throwing up be getting well I had some resistance built around the world, word even if even if you don't I had some personal resistances and um, I wouldn't say it I wouldn't say getting well I'd say purge or or throwing up but when you're when you're under the medicine when you're on in this experience and you're in that dark deep dark place or that aspect of yourself that's grimacing or struggles with reality the part of me that wants to escape or run away or seek comfort and avoid um it can. It's like this wretching. It's this wretched feeling. And when I have been able to purge, which is many times, it has truly felt like a getting well. And and furthermore, I think I've spoke about this in maybe the last uh, episode about um, the peyote ceremony. When others in the circle, when you're sitting in the circle, and and this could just be me, but I don't think so. Sometimes things come up you know life comes up I would feel discomfort and then all of a sudden someone across the way someone you know a couple people down wherever would purge and then I would be relieved I would be relieved by their by their purging and in this way it feel it feels like getting well someone made the analogy like uh, in a, a chain of volcanoes like like Hawaii or whatever, there's a ring of fire, which is like a a large, huge ring of, of volcano structures. And when one erupts, uh, it takes the pressure off of all of them. So they're kind of united in this, through these channels of lava. They're all kind of connected. And the pressure is alleviated. When one explodes, erupts. And I've very very certainly felt that and even in my like early workings with medicine and I don't know if it's because I've been programmed or um or you know orientated to kind of see purging the purging process as getting well but i remember you know one first or second ceremony in 2012 13 someone going outside of the maloka, and you can hear them, you can hear them just screaming out the purging and being filled with such joy. Like it felt like it came up in the form of giggles, which might've been my own purging and cleaning process. Um, But I remember feeling so joy and I wasn't laughing at them by any means or giggling at them. I was giggling in appreciation or like, Laughing with them, not at them, type of thing. It's like, yes, like you get to clear that out, whatever that was, and kind of start start anew. And I, I do see it this way now. The more I've worked with the medicine, the more I do value that. I don't necessarily seek a purge. I mean, there, there's things that will come up during ceremony. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes it's it's quite. not easy, just not so physically um, demanding or excruciating in some episode or in some, uh, some ceremonies. And when it, when things have come up, sometimes you have the choice, you know, sometimes you have the choice to kind of like become more present, more centered, kind of relax into your body, relax into your breath, and kind of breathe through the wave of nausea or of discomfort. And sometimes that's been helpful at like, kind of witnessing my own power, seeing what's reactionary and what I can actually breathe through, sit through and kind of allow. And um, yeah, both have been helpful. And then there's just been times where I've sat up and almost there. There's like a there's like a tipping point. It's like, am I either going to hold on to this or let it go? And then I'll some ceremonies they get that you have like individual buckets, containers, whatever, purge purge cups. And the commitment to grab the cup and put it in front of me is like tells like primes my body. It's like all right, this is this one's this one's gonna leave. But I'll wait as long as I can. Um, before grabbing the cup, um, it'll already start to be rising within me. And then, then, you know, there's the other times where I can just breathe through. And then there's a time where you don't have a choice, where it's a reaction. It's like, you're kind of sitting, you you usually don't feel too great before a purge or I don't. Because usually afterwards, there is some sort of relief. There's some sort of, ah, maybe physiologically or chemically, I think when you do purge or throw up, there is kind of like a head rush or or something. And maybe that causes some sort of oxytocin serotonin thing. I'm not sure about that. But there is a sense of relief that comes post most of the times 90, 90 plus percent of the times and and sometimes you'll just be sitting kind of vibing or like deep in medicine disassociated with your body mind timeless space i call there's a there's a few places in the medicine they're indescribable right they're indescribable but When I get there, when I'm in that frequency or vibration, it feels familiar now. Where it's like, Oh, I've been here. It's like (laughs) one of the places I call like a twine eye. And there's a lot of songs that go like twine nine nine, twine nine, twine nine. Not to that melanie, but they use twine eyes. And it's kind of like this similar world. I call it. it's very. It's kind of like sleepy and intoxicating and and very full on. And that's kind of a place. I've also been to a place that I describe as like, it's like a washing station. It's like a huge car wash, but it's like the bristles are like completely all around me, and things are rotating and moving in and out and. And it's not so much visual as like, this is kind of the sensation. I'm kind of in this bubbling brew of like rotating and it's full on again. And it's very, and it's very full. I kind of associate this as like a cleaning, a cleaning center. And then I've been to like places where you're kind of still in the same room, but the dimensions are just stretched out and like with the light of a candle or a fire. It's kind of like this similar ancient feeling place. There's also like a green world I've kind of been into and I've also felt like I've been the color yellow before. So whatever that's about. And sometimes you don't have, I didn't have the choice to, to whether or not to purge or keep the medicine. You know, sometimes it comes up and out. And there's been some times where I've, Purged, and like fireworks or like snakes, like are exiting my body, like or my mind sphere, or they're in my imagination, just like <laughs> like dispersing energy. Um. And and most recently when I've gotten well or I've purged, it's actually been with the consumption of the tea. Um, I have to learn or, you know, before I drink the tea, I've been nervous. You know, I know there's some people that don't get nervous anymore and I have enough experience. I don't, I don't know some experience. Um, And my nerves have changed. I used to be nervous for the unknown that was about to unfold, but, but I'm actually, it's not really that anymore. It's like, I'm not so much afraid of the, my aspects of myself I might face. I'm like more community orientated. I'm more attached to this reality and, um. It's hard to explain. I'm actually nervous for the taste, the actual drinking of the medicine sometimes. And the last peyote ceremony I was at, they said, try not to make a face, try to smile when taking the medicine, eating the medicine because it's, it's you. You know, Those are aspects of you, you know, and the peyote is very bitter, but ayahuasca is very, it's not bitter. It's maybe some will consider it bitter. It's, um. It's like spicy, but also it can be thick and uh, it's very distinct. Actually talking about it, I'm kind of like building this this memory and kind of trying to pave a new memory for the flavor and the taste and like trying to appreciate it. Because usually the first glass of the night, I'll drink down quite easily and there, there, it won't be... The faces I won't make. I won't have to like squirm. But glass two and three. This past this past time, I drank it and 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 let it go almost immediately. I've I've done that a few times now. Where I drank it, got the shimmers and into my container. And um, actually, the person serving the medicine when I came up the second time, I was feeling good about drinking. The second glass, because the first one went down pretty smooth. I was feeling well. I was feeling present and, and kind of a lovely splendor. And they said to me, they said, um, if you need more, just come up. You don't have to ask. I said, okay, that's really nice. Also weird. So I go, I drink it and I go and sit down. It came up right away, right away. It wasn't that time where I kind of got to sit in and can I, can I cold this one down? No, it was it was immediate, and a, a lesson like kind of like a big ongoing lesson I've experienced, and I think this is very common. Is I'll talk to men in the group, and they're strong. You know, men are men can be strong. Women, can, women of course are strong, but I, I'm I'm thinking about conversations I've had with some men in the group. And they're like, yeah, I never purge. I've never purged. And it, it comes off, though, what I'm sensing or what I'm gathering. And, and they'll even admit this in themselves. They're like, I can't get sick in front of other people. And that, that phrase, I can't do that. It's a fear. It, it's a fear. Not it's, it's throwing up in front of people. Maybe you've never done it. Extremely vulnerable. Appearing sick or appearing ill and like. Be, it's so vulnerable and I, I think a lot of people can't cross that vulnerability barrier. They can't humble themselves to get well in the group. Some people will sneak off, they'll go off and they'll purge and they'll want to be alone and that and I understand that like I felt that too. A lot of times when I wouldn't allow myself to purge, um, it was a, a ke- keeping a face, maintaining a face or a balance. Or a sense of self identity and not and not really for my highest good because what I've learning more recently and now having been sick with cancer and kind of you know being weak and vulnerable in front of my girlfriend in front of my family in you know, a in a way um, hum- and then having to humble myself cuz having little feelings like i have little options um, i'm okay Getting well in community, I don't have to leave. I can say I can stay. I can be seen, even at that weak point. And I'm thankful to have gotten there because it, it really is a dysfunction, or like a it's a it's a sticky, sticky thing to feel like you have to hold on and, and save face and and protect yourself like that. And some of the ceremonies I've sat in recently you know they they say purging is a prayer and it, and it is it feels like this now to purge is to is to pray is to let go is to surrender is to be vulnerable but in that vulnerability is not weakness some will perceive your vulnerability as weakness it's true but they'll they'll understand one day they really will those people probably haven't been faced with what life inevitably brings, you know, or, or, you know, just, I'm sure they have had tribulations, but maybe not in the way where um, their sense of power and self is, is shook to the bone. And, and now I'm, I'm very thankful to be able to purge in public to get well in the group, not have to leave. It's coincided with me being able to share my song in the group too. Um, to share my voice. And that's been really rewarding. And that has a whole new level of level, level of lessons and, and identities to hold on to and egos to protect myself and, you know, the lessons ongoing. But I no longer am afraid to be vulnerable in that way, to to purge and to share, and um, I think it's allowing other people around me to the same. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk to some veterans, you know, people who are are very veteran, and, and they will not allow themselves to purge, and it's just like that's that's holding, that's holding face. Like, please, like I want to see you be vulnerable in front of the group, you know. I actually I've kind of rearranged myself and maybe this is harsh too. But, you know, if you're not able to be vulnerable in front of the group, I actually see that as as more of a form of weakness than being able to be seen and exposed, exposing yourself, if you will, not be exposed really, but exposing yourself and to be seen and if and for it to be okay. You know, I kind of wish that for people. I pray for that, for that level of freedom. Because we know that, you know, connection comes through this vulnerability. So getting well, it's getting well. Purging feels a lot like getting well at times and, and navigating that. And, you know, cedar has been really important in my prayer recently. I actually harvested some of the cedar um, in Acadia National National Park in Maine. And um, it's been, I put it back on my altar yesterday. I actually had an altar malfunction. I uh, I lit a candle for that manifestation, Jupiter and Saturn being the closest they've ever been. And um, I let a candle, let it run the whole day pretty much. And shout out to that last episode, if you were around for that last episode. I haven't yet um, listened to it fully myself. I I tend to listen to all the episodes and just kind of, it's kind of my way of growing in this skill of sharing podcasts and telling stories and sharing myself. Um, I kind of go back to episodes and and re-listen to them and take mental notes, not really physical notes, but... That last episode was wacky and wild. I was I was really feeling the, the medicine of the mushroom. And uh, it'll be interesting to go back and see how it came across. I kind of think of like, there's a Family Guys episode where uh, Lois and Peter, they make a band and they're making this beautiful, they, oh, they find weed, they find cannabis, which they hadn't smoked since college or whatever. And they make a band and they realize, oh my God, this music, like... We're kind of musical geniuses. Like cannabis has really opened this door of like music to us and like they make this folk band and they sing this really good music. And then like near the end of the episode, they they zoom out and they show you like the perspective of another witnessing them play the music, and the music sounds like kind of awful and disjointed, and it was all in their head how good they were sounding. They were just like appreciating the medicine of the of the cannabis. So it'll be interesting to go back and see. This, uh, how the episode looks, how it feels, how it sounds. But because of the altar malfunction, I, uh, I lit a candle all day and it popped pretty much and the, and the wax poured on the, on the altar and burned some of the, uh, linen that I was, I had covering the table and I was in the room, fortunately, Cause I, I was like in the middle of doing some editing or something, I hear a crackling. I look up and and my altar's on fire (laughs) on the manifestation day, on a day I was praying. It felt very like, okay, like it felt like a message, particularly from the fire, because I, at that point I'd let the candle burn for so long, I wasn't giving my presence or the attention to the fire and fire that's not, you know, mindfully used can certainly burn you, um. Can burn me, and that's how, kind of how I took it. I took it like you must be, you know, you must continue this mindfulness of the fire, be you know, stay aware, and not just let the fire burn. Um, it had also singed some owl feathers. I had two owl feathers on the altar that it was near, and it singed them. And if I was kind of like a little upset. Last episode, if you checked in, I was doing a lot of forgiveness and p- one of the forgiveness, not rituals. I was just kind of saying, going through the apology in my head, wishing the best for this person, you know, building myself up, saying, apologizing to myself to having reacted certain ways, and um, and they kind of had something to do with the owl. Owl feathers too. So it was almost like the singeing of those feathers was kind of like, I don't know, it was almost, it almost brought that back to my mind. And at first I was bummed, but I actually cut the, the feathers and shaped them into like this really beautiful shape that I'm, I might make into some earrings and, and give as a gift. If I figure out how to make earrings, I have no idea how to make earrings, but that, that's kind of how they look. They're like, they're a good shape for that, it seems. So I lost two halves of two feathers and um, I had to reorientate my altar this whole point is because the altar had been you know changed and lit on fire in a way um, it gave me the opportunity to reorientate it and at the centerpiece instead of having candle instead of having the fire I decided to have water with some f- with some flowers that I'm growing in my in my closet that were ready to be picked, and and I put a large a batch of cedar at the centerpiece, too. Because cedar has been you know prominent in my life, it's been um, really beautiful to pray with, and if anything, it's just been really beautiful to smell and to coat a room in for me and after doing that the next day being oh sorry two days after being today i get this song from my guitar teacher reiner and it's this it's a cedar song cool enough right And the first few i listened to it a few times in a row it's the song i played at the beginning of this podcast i listened to it a few times in a row because it was filling me with such sensation i was feeling the the body tingles um, the back of my head was like vibrating, whatever that means. And the song was like empowering me, energizing me. And I, I was kind of like, yeah, drawing that connection to cedar and how it's served. Because in the ceremony, in ceremonies, your senses can be heightened. They are. They are heightened. And uh, smells mean a lot. So when the cedar is lit a few times throughout the ceremony, um, maybe it's programming, some sort of Pavlovian response that I've now cultivated through being in these ceremonies and making myself vulnerable and then the cedar being used. So it's kind of like this cycle, this training I'm giving myself, but I'm happy about it. You know, it's not like I smell cedar and I have to like punch a wall or, you know kiss my dad or something. I kiss my dad. And but you know, it's just a nice feeling. It's a grounding feeling. I remember being in the ceremonies and like, that full presence and yeah, and the love that's possible at any given moment. And the mushrooms had me feeling really good, you know, a few days after Um, It's kind of worn off a little bit now. I've kind of like settled back into the groove of coffee and media. Um, But yeah, I I think all in all, I've been in kind of a good place. To build on top of that last episode a little bit, I talked about forgiveness and how you don't need to make yourself small to say you're sorry. You don't have like understanding humility and making yourself small and how to truly forgive, you like how to say sorry is first saying sorry to yourself for having lost your way. Well, first acknowledging that what you did maybe wasn't the best way of going about it or maybe wasn't the best thing to do and then apologizing to yourself for that. And then from that place of centeredness and groundedness and, and, you know, if, bringing your self-esteem back up, you can say you're sorry. Because you know, some people you say sorry to and they'll take it as a, I was right, you know? They'll, they'll take it as, they'll try to take it as you making you s- small for having apologized. And that's, that's a grave error on their part. And uh, it discourages a lot of people from saying sorry, which is what people want, you know? When someone is hurt, having the validation of, you know, I'm sorry to have hurt you. It means the world in a lot of ways. And so I sent those text messages. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm wishing the best for you and your family moving forward. I sent out two or three of these. Two people didn't respond. One person responded, I accept your apology. Great. Great. You know, like, no expectation. I sent it out. I I primed myself no matter what they say. If they double down and say, well, what you did was still wrong, I'm still hurt. I'm just sending the sorry. I don't need anything in return. Um, They said, I accept your apology. It It felt okay. It felt good. Then the next day came and I'm like, well, this person, you know, did hurt me as well. They're not just a victim. I didn't just go out and and punch them a random person on the street, but like, this is a person that's hurt me. That's yelled at me in the past for very minor things who I know is bad. talked to me behind my back and, and, you know, run negativity around me. And so I messaged, I messaged him. I said, um, what did I say? I said, there's no, uh, no expectations. Um, But if you find it within your heart and through self-reflection to apologize to me, I will accept it as graciously as you did. Um, and And then I said, no expectations, I think I said then, but it's important for me to build this bridge so that if and when you're ready to walk across it, you can. So basically, I wanted to share my expectations that if they did want to apologize for the past that led up to the point of me kind of popping and like being angry and showing sharing anger at them with them, through them, um, I would be willing to accept their apology. You know, and I sent that without the expectation of it coming back. And they they messaged me back saying, I don't see anything I have to apologize for. Tell me of something that I did. Mm, don't really want to play this game, because when you when you say, send something specific back, I've talked about this in previous episodes. A lot of people will say, "Well, tell me exactly when I did something wrong," and then you'll say it to them, and then they'll defend that particular moment, completely cutting off or negating. The million of micro millions of micro moments leading up to that one moment. Because sometimes what is the straw that breaks the camel's back is not the full weight that breaks us in the first place. The straw that breaks the camel's back might be justifiable, but it's not in the context of the entirety of the relationship. So I I didn't I just basically kept it general. I said, um, for you yelling, you know, for you having yelled at me in the past and using harsh language, and for you um, speaking ill about me behind my back to people in the community, people in our community, and then no response back, which is fine. You know, I kind of expected no response in the first place. So the bu- the bridge is built. If they ch- if they choose to walk by uh, across it, they can. But now I feel comfortable having done everything. There was a part of me that wanted to be like. Because when I said I'm sorry, I wasn't specific. And in this particular case, I'm not sorry for what I said. Because what I I said... Yeah, maybe I don't have to get into the details. It was a relationship where someone kind of... You know, this is when I was still making myself quite small to be around around people to make them feel more comfortable. And... uh, and this person kind of took advantage of that. They very judgmental, um, an air of superiority and, and, and just, and this was evident through their judgments and through how they talked inability to listen. And anytime there was some sort of debate, even low level debate, it would rise in like anger and, and stuff like that. Like it's just hyper defensive. And what I said was around that. I'm But with anger and like, so I wasn't, I wasn't sorry for what I said. I, I was going to send another message. What I—I'm not just to be clear. I'm not apologizing for what I said. What I said still feels true to me, but how I said it was not valuable. It wasn't constructive, and uh, even for you to be able to hear what I had to say, it wasn't uh, yeah effective at being able to to transmit that. So I'm sorry for the how, but not for the what. And I haven't. I haven't sent that message yet. And I don't know if I will. Maybe I will. You know, it feels okay to say in the name of clarity. But it's also I, I wanted to give an apology at the time with no conditions. I wanted to I wanted to say I'm sorry, just I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry that you felt feel bad, felt felt bad, and that I had anything to do with it. And uh Yeah, just a conditionless sorry. Not an I'm sorry, but, you know. I'm sorry, but is, that always feels a little shitty. But just an I'm sorry, I wish the best for you. And now the but is coming like a few days later if I choose to send that message. Oh, forgiveness though, man, the work it is, uh, it's work. I feel kind of proud of myself for having humbled myself to apologize to people. I just like, I was pretty clear, like they don't need an apology. Like I felt, I feel very justified in this, um, in the anger I've shared towards them. And it still feels justified. And that's my point is I still feel validated for how I felt, but it's just somehow I shared that, that it probably could have been received better and actually brought people up a little bit more. So let's, uh, I'm going to do a few, I'm going to do a few um, TikTok comments, answering a few TikTok comments and see where this goes. Now, this has been my most popular video so far, two, 2 point something million views, 500,000 likes and 8,000 comments. So, you know, maybe we do four or five of them, <laughs> something like this. Um. This video was about the menstrual cycle. And basically I was pointing to the fact that men have a hormonal cycle too. In the in the morning their testosterone is recorded at higher levels and it tapers off throughout the day. So I pointed to that 24-hour hormonal testosterone cycle. And that's all I pretty much said. And I said it over a minute and it blew up. People people liked it. And we'll see where this goes cuz Because a lot of the comments are like, this is opposite of me. Because I said how testosterone's high in the morning and it tapers off at night. So it might be best to approach earlier in the day with critical conversations, with more energetic tasks. And in the evening, you know, keeping it more chill and stuff like that. And, and people are coming through like, hey, it's the opposite for me. Like I come alive in the night or I – uh um you know, in the morning, I'm I'm not a morning person, so don't don't come at me with any critical conversations in the morning. Like you can't you, you can't be telling me anything in the morning. And to that, I, I just want to say, like, I'm not. If this is not like this is pseudosciencey. Of course, it's pseudosciencey. There's a reason that when you go and get your testosterone tested, you get it tested in the morning. It is higher. Now, how that affects you, you're way more complex than just testosterone. This is an overly materialistic view, right? To, to narrow down your existence to a single hormone. like That kind of goes against a lot what I share on this podcast. It kind of goes against a lot of how I feel. And these videos are one-minute videos. And they're just kind of ideas that float around my head. And I, and I share them. And, um, of course, you're not reduced to a single hormone level in your body. And, you know, that can be also how you live the habits you've created. You know, you may come alive in the night because you've trained yourself to do so. You've all of your social activities in the night and you stay up late and then you sleep in. It could be your drug use, your your diet. You know, when I was smoking a lot of weed, um, I would sleep till ten, pretty easily. So to wake me up at seven a.m. would be very challenging. And now it's a little different. Now I'm now I'm waking up for no reason at, at like seven a.m. and uh, it's still dark. So I'm kind of just I wake up and just kind of sit and wait for the sun to come up and then say you know thank you and then keep it you know keep it moving but yeah i i understand not being a morning person and you know in my early 20s shit i think there was like a few days in the winter where i would go to bed when it was dark and i'd wake up when it was dark that means that i went to went to bed around like 3 or 4 in the morning I'd wake up at 4, 5 p.m. I missed a whole day of sunlight. And maybe I did that a couple times. But that's what drinking and, like, not taking care of myself did to me, you know. A lot of the comments are like, it's frustrating that these tools weren't given to us. You know, we weren't taught this stuff growing up. yeah I wonder the I think maybe in sex ed we can talk about hormone cycles. We should have. But where are you getting sex ed? In high school, I didn't have sex ed. I had a human sexuality courses. I took a year of human sexuality in college and maybe we talked about hormones. The only things that really stuck out were like trans rights, like LGBTq plus things. We had like a sex toy lesson that sticks stuck out, like they passed around a bunch of like, unused sex toys around and we got to see each of them and and uh, yeah, I I don't really remember there being a lot of hormone explanation. I wonder why I can't remember that course too much. I, I do remember, we had to do a play in college, we had a group and we had to do a play. And we got to choose a topic and our group chose polygamy. And I wrote a script for us on polygamy. It was like a talk show style script. It was so shitty. I cringe thinking about it for like six years after we did it. Cause I, I put a wig on, I put like a pillow in, in a shirt and I was like the guy that had many wives and I kind of played like this dumb guy. It was really stupid. It wasn't a good representation of poly, uh, polyamory at all. There And then there were, like, people that would give you, like, a positive spin and then people that like, gave you a negative spin. Like, I wrote a script, like, from a Christian perspective and from a – it probably wasn't that bad. I mean, the production value was very low and there was no trained actors. Um. I haven't been reading any of these. I mean, I've been reading some of them. There's a lot of people that, you know, this brought brought a lot of anger, you know. Guys, trans porn, trans porn said testosterone affects none of these things. Yeah. Okay. I mean, people who take testosterone therapy, they report mood changes, you know. So to say it affects none, Maybe. There's 17 replies. Someone came to my uh, rescue. Chank is dank. This video obviously doesn't account for everyone's same way as women react differently during their cycles. And the evening doesn't stop you from doing shit. Yeah. Nor is this, uh, and then they reply, then they go back and forth. So they kind of took care of themselves. The comment section will take care of itself. I thought I used to have to moderate the comments a lot, Um, but I don't. People take care of themselves. People, even with the bad comments, you know, people come through and, and like save me. How did I not know this about myself? Didn't even know men have a cycle. Everything has a cycle. You know, we this world we live in is cyclical. There's evidence for that everywhere. The waves of the ocean, the seasons, time itself. Yeah, um Birth and birth through death. <laughs> I mean, just there's cycles everywhere. I like I like looking through the filter of cycles too. You know, particularly when I'm going through a tough time knowing that it'll pass and there will be an upswing for the downswing. That's why they like to come in the morning. Yeah, I mean morning erections. That's a thing. That that might have something to do with uh that might have something to do with it. Testosterone. A lot of people are saying, man, I'm reversed. I'm the opposite. Don't talk to me until I smoke my L and drink my coffee unless you want to get ragdolled. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, there's not a lot of questions here. Let's see if we can get a few, just a couple more questions. My guy, this is our circadian rhythm. Yeah, the circadian rhythm is a really good... Uh, Example. Uh, has anyone told you you look like Bradley Cooper? Yes. Yeah, they have. Dixie Normous. Oh, at Dixie Normous. Someone tagged Dixie Normous in this and said, "I bet you didn't know this." Some of the names on TikTok are just fucking wild. People just wild. Why would I care about man's cycle when they don't bother learning ours? A few reasons. Um, You can set the example, you know, you can be that, which you want to see in the world. I think, I know Gandhi said that, Um, because you having more knowledge actually puts you in a place of leverage and power. If you're looking for a sense of personal power, knowledge is power, right? So we, by you being in the know, and them not, it actually gives you a step up. So you can Yeah, it, it, and also setting the example. Because maybe with the right people, when you take interest in them and show them true affection and care, they'll reciprocate. I want to leave a comment on that one. Here we go. Plant-based puta says, Hi, Uncle Nico. Do you know if and how regular drug and alcohol use influences the menstrual cycle? I don't, but I do know it influenced mine. It, it affected my sleep rhythm. Um, when I was smoking a lot and drinking a lot, I, w- I was also masturbating a lot and like kind of making just worse decisions decisions compound like momentum swings up and momentum swings down so i i do think it would be an effect no i don't know the specifics does this mean i should be working out in the morning instead of night not necessarily i love morning workouts personally i like jujitsu in the morning um i like fighting more in, in the morning in the night um Sometimes when I play jujitsu at the night, my adrenaline keeps me up a little bit later and uh, I just tend to have more power and speed in the morning. Not that you shouldn't train when you're a little bit lower, work on technique and stuff, but I do like to train in the morning. Um, (laughs) yeah, maybe we'll just do one more, two more. (laughs) Why did I watch this whole thing? I'm lesbian. I don't know. You can still know about men just because you're lesbian. You're still going to have men in your life. All right, last one here, Bree, 805 What if your man is sleep-deprived because we have a three-month-old and we both wake up at different hours of the day? I think sleep has an effect on your hormones for sure. I think there's plenty of evidence to support that. So if you're sleep-deprived, there probably is a fluctuation in your hormone levels. That correlation, I can make a an assumption, but again, it's an assumption. I don't know. I don't have any da- data to prove this. For me, sleep deprivation probably boosts your cortisol. And I think boosting your cortisol increases your testosterone on the short run, but sustained cortisol actually shows a drop in testosterone. So I think sleep deprivation over the long term will drop your testosterone levels as a man. And again, that is a uh, educated guess. Educated? Yes. Cool. Well, I I liked this episode. It kind of flowed pretty nice. And uh, thank you guys all for being here. As always, thank you so much. Hey, would you leave a rating? Would you leave a, please leave a rating on Apple and Spotify if you can. Those ratings actually help. If you can leave a review and a a five-star rating if you like it, that would be awesome. That would be very, very, very much appreciated. Uh, Those things, I guess, add up. So uh, please do leave a review and uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for coming through and, 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 giving this a listen. I hope you took something valuable from it. And I hope you enjoyed that song at the beginning by Ryaner Schoenbrand. Check him out on Spotify. If you like guitar, you, uh, will be blown away. Such strong music, such a powerful teacher and, uh, and a powerful musician. So please give him a check out as well. Thank you again. I, I love you. I love me and I love you and, uh, Even that fly on my window right now, I'll throw some love as well. This has been, this has been The Good Wind.